Big Finish for the love of stories. You're listening to the Big Finish podcast, release date the 12th of June, 2022. He's awake. Ellie, stay back. Come on, come on, back to me. We don't know who he is. What he is. No, no, you don't. But could you perhaps be so kind as to tell me where I am? Or what I'm doing here? I'm Benji Clifford, he's Nick Briggs, and welcome to Big Finish's world of audio drama for the love of stories. Benji and I will be chatting about the Omega Factor any minute now, which we'll be celebrating in our also available segment later. Following that, the good review guy this week, we're talking about Doctor Who, The Secrets of Det Sen as the first Doctor encounters the Great Intelligence. Great. The Yeti all turn to face the intruders. Then we're off behind the scenes with the Wallmaster self-defence, out this week starring Derek Jacobi and David Tennant. But here we are, strangers in a strange place. Following that, it's once again time to open your ear inbox with listeners' emails sent to podcast at bigfinish.com. And they'll be bursting with loveliness of the email kind. Oh, I love that. Kind emails. Uh, as previously mentioned in our also available segment, we're investigating Big Finish's revival of the Omega Factor or the Omega Factor, or the Omega Factor, whatever factor you like. Supernatural shocks with Louise Jameson returning to the character she originally played back in 1979. Something at the back of Drexel's eyes flared up. A cold fire of rage. Then the Randomoid Selectatron will once again be giving you a 25% discount on a randomly selected Big Finish release. Uh, That's in the future for us, but uh, for Nick, whilst he's editing this podcast, it's the past. What? Which is why we can insert this tantalising clip now. No, not more, more. And then it'll be time to give you a free 15-minute drama tease of The Warmaster Self-Defense, The Forest of Penitence by Lou Morgan. Safety in numbers, like we agreed. Is he, though, safe? What a question. Are you? That depends who's asking. Let's talk about the Omega Factor or the Omega... I don't know how to say it anymore. I mean, yeah, I've worked on it for years for the Big Finish. It's a tough one, is it? I, I guess I would call it the Omega Factor. Well, because we're Doctor Who fans and Omega exactly. is the name of that naughty Time Lord from the Three Doctors. When I think of Omega, naughty I, I then think Lord. of Amiga and then I think of the computers, you know, the Amiga computers. Omega. And, yeah, and it goes I'm, I'm eager. And I mean, well, aren't we all? For a cup um, of tea, yes. So this is a great, a great show. One of those great shows at the time. Um, and one of those things that really does sort of naturally fit into the big Finnish arsenal, doesn't it? It just feels yeah. very at home Possible. with us, I think. <laughs> Nil. Um, uh, There's a little Morgan and Wise joke there for the, <laughs> the old folks listening. The old folk. Yes, yes. So, I mean, did you see the original series? I mean, obviously you're too young to have seen it when it was broadcast. I remember years ago uh, finding it on YouTube, I think. Uh, was, well, I don't think it's on there anymore, but it certainly was once upon a time. And I like a lot of these these old shows. When you're from my generation, you either hear about them from other people or you just stumble across them, often on YouTube. And, and 
uh, and some of my greatest obsessions have come from YouTube. And it was one of those shows. I knew James Hazel Dean from um, from London's Burning, which I loved. Of course, you know, of course. course. You know, he was he was played Bailey for that for. God knows how many years, a long time he did that job. He was fantastic. So, of course, seeing that and then with you know, Louise Jameson, obviously Doctor Who, it was like, oh, these are two people I really like in two other things. And she did Tenko and other stuff like that. And it's like, oh, this this will be interesting. Mm. And I quite like it, a bit of the supernatural. Yes. And it was one of those things where you can just sense that they were really enjoying it. And you could sense there was actually quite a, a good chemistry between them. When they yes. were when they were making it, and I think it's, you know, with all these types of shows, you can just tell, can't you? You can tell. It's like watching Sapphire and Steel. Yes. Uh, you can just tell that there's some there's a little magic on that set, and it works, and you can see it. And I think with the audios, that magic is captured. And you didn't work on them, did you? The audios? Not at all. No. no. Nothing exactly. to do with them. It was Steve Foxen did the sound design, and I did the music. There we go. There we go. I bet you must have enjoyed that. I really, really did. There's some so many brilliant performances, and Louise and and John Dorney, who was playing the son of James Hazeldean's character, uh, was really good. I mean, you know, people at Big Finish know John as a writer, but he's a fine actor. Oh, he really is. Good. I mean, he's on tour at the moment in a, a fast Boeing, Boeing. You know, well, he's, and I'm sure I've he's seen pictures ar- of him around here because he's. I think it's in in Eastbourne. I think he's he's at. I think it might be the Congress Theatre. Yeah, the they road, were perhaps. in Eastbourne. Maybe. Yeah, yeah. Why? Well, you can't because I can't, you've, you've had COVID. I would have. I would have popped down, but because I've had COVID. Um, I think if he if he's not been there yet, I might try and poke my head in. Um, yeah. I detest uh, negative this morning. Yes, um, so, that's so, the good news, folks. So thank you. Good, yeah, for, thanks for, for all, you who... all the lovely people. Uh, mess- I've had so many messages. It's been really nice. Very touching. There'd be messages to the the podcast, but we're not reading those this week. They'll they'll probably come next week. You know, when it's two weeks out of date. But it'll be nice, <laughs> nice to read out those sentiments from people. I feel a bit, of, a bit of time travel there. Yeah. How did you with the music for, mm. for the Omega Factor? What was your approach to it? How did you decide to? you know to to tackle that one did you have any idea of what you wanted to do um well i was thinking sort of along the um survivors lines of just sort of weird sounds but uh, the omega factor on television did have a score which was uh, which i really like but is i don't know i i felt it wouldn't quite carry to it, i mean it's got a fantastic theme tune it really has but, i wonder but who we, did the original we, music Let's yeah find out I didn't, but we elected not to have the original theme show. I th- I've got a funny feeling it was the same person who did the theme for um, Survivors. I'm probably talking out of um, my ear holes. Um, but we made the slightly controversial decision that I know Paul Simpson of SFB never forgave us for of not using the original theme because we thought the whole series has moved on and we wanted a, a a similar feel, but a feel like I did with The Prisoner. It was sort of, you know... So I came up with a new theme, which I was really rather pleased with. It um, works really well. I think you've, you've done a really good job on it. And well, I think it's you. it's hard, isn't it? It's, it's Anthony Isaac is the chap's yeah, it's, name. It's that, and who I thought it was who did... I'm sure he did Survivors as well. I think you might be right. I'll double check. I mean, it was um, a great theme tune. Da, 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 da. Yes, I'm humming Survivors. Really he did the Oneidan line as well. 
Of course. Um, well, yeah. that's an amazing piece of music, actually. It really is, yeah. I could never warm to the show, but... Um, no, no. Well, I came to hate that music because because I hated the show so much because it's so dull. It's always people sitting around dinner tables saying, oh, the shipping line, I'll tell you. I'll tell <laughs> you that all the cargo's falling off. It's on my feet. Really, that was my observation. Everybody's always eating. Well, he, did war, <laughs> he did Warship as well, which I know that you like. Oh, yeah. But I, I think oh, there, there is, a, see, there great is a, great, a great kind of pressure, isn't there, to... Um, to to do things differently if you've got like a you know you're not using the original theme tune it's like well, mm. where, where do you go from here and how do you do how do you paint that picture and keep the same vibes but make it different um and i think it kind of strikes a wonderful line kind of in the middle it's kind of like you know you. it just feels very comfortable oh, oh, and with the incidental music i wanted to make it uh sometimes that sort of overarching oppressive feeling to it so you know like the, the, when there's something supernatural bubbling in the background but i used a lot of harp as well and and of course timpani can't help myself funniest thing is we just had this basically had this entire conversation before we were starting just chatting between ourselves about <laughs> music generally the, the, the sort of because one of the key things isn't it choosing the palette of uh musical instruments that you want to use for a production yeah. absolutely is is curating curating those sounds to, to fit kind of what you're doing isn't it really because well yeah otherwise you can smother it you could just because you know because it's all digital you've got access to so many different kinds of instruments uh you could just you know it'd be like using the word palette i use advisedly because it would be like using every color possible in a painting and it would just end up being a horrible mess you know you have to use the right colors to evoke the right kind of feeling and it's the same with music i think and instruments well i think other i think sometimes if you're up against it with time you of course default to things that you know are good but yes. if you have the luxury of time on a project it's really good to actually limit yourself a little bit and say this is what i'm good yeah i love doing um i love working on like period pieces um where you say well i'm just i just want to use things that were around at this time so like i'll only use synthesizers up to this point or mm. like i'll you know I'll, I'll i'll use a mellotron here uh, yes because i can't afford a string section you know yes. like, like yeah, weird yeah, things yeah. like that where you think well that's probably what they would have done you know dudley simpson we always go back to dudley simpson but yes. one of the greatest people for for being incredibly economical when it comes to uh to writing music yes. um, for those that don't know dudley simpson is composed doctor who in the 1970s and uh, I guess in the 60s. 60s as well yeah, yeah, yeah. a lot yeah. of a lot of that sound you know it wasn't like we have with with Murray Gold where we got big orchestras and it sounds fab and it's, you know it's very limited it's like well, you've got this budget you've got these people this is what you can do and, and that creativity to be able to create large sounding scores from you know three or four people is, yeah. is incredible so Limitations. This, this is what we've learned today, Nick. You know, even though we we already knew it ourselves, limitations is not limiting yourself is not necessarily a bad thing. Yes, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. And we haven't mentioned, I think, for the first time in ages, we haven't mentioned Stephen Noonan while we're discussing something. We usually mention Stephen Noonan. Yes, so I actually, thought, I must. I, I must thank you. He him. sent me some fantastic emails, which I need to reply to. Yeah, because I, I was, I was just too. Busy. I was just so in, in my COVID state of mind. I just, I just not. I've got so such a backlog of things I need to sort out because my mind. I was like, the, the mind is willing, but the body is weak. It's like I was reading things, but then trying to formulate 
a response. Like, like I've gone, I've gone slightly bananas on Twitter this week because I could just fire things out, and then I, I then. Yeah, I, I was going to have a word with you about that. <laughs> you, you, you've gone bananas. You, you, you've gone crackers. But I was just firing things out. But I was just completely like, I can't. You know, it's like you can only have like a one-way conversation. It's really weird. You just can't. Yeah, I don't know. But not, the interesting thing about Stephen Noonan linking in with our conversation about the music is that he's a talented musician, you know. Is he really? He can, he can play, I think he plays the piano and, yeah. Well, we'll have to get him in to, 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 do, a, to do a story. Get the old Joanna out and... Uh, <laughs> Tinkle the ivories. There's literally no limit to his talent. He's one of those guys, he's, he's a wonderful character to... to every time we speak of him, you, we find out a little bit more. Yeah. Of course, I just I just want the spin-off series where there's an entire box set of just Stephen Noonan in Cairo. I just, I just, <laughs> and it has to be in the seventies for some reason. It's shot on film, and he's he, at one point he's wearing a fez and walking. I just have to, I just have to see it in my yeah, head. Yeah, there we go. Let's, let's make that happen. <laughs> commission it, commission it. Um, well, anyway, I suppose it's time to to move on. It's time now for our good review guide. Uh, where we find the latest positive comments about Big yeah. Finish Productions to help recommend them for you. What a good idea. I think so. And as promised, this week we're looking at the secrets of Dead Sen from Big Finish Productions. If you look over there, that uh, high peak in the distance, I do believe it's what the locals call Gangs are in Bochi, the precious jewel of snows. Doctor Who, the early adventures, the secrets of Dead Sen. Hey, do you reckon we'll meet some pilgrims? <laughs> we may indeed, my child. Why would anybody want to trudge up these mountains? The pilgrims took a path around the eastern side of Mount Champa, down a shallow incline until the monastery of the second Dharma king was revealed before them. Ah, what's that? A call to evening prayers? If only, Doctor. It is a warning from Wangdula. Bandits descend on the monastery. Ah, bandits? Then we must move quickly. Doctor, oh, where are you? They must not find this place. Quite so. The secrets contained here are not for bandits. Hmm? Imagine if they got their hands on the relics. It was too late. Alerted by the whispering, standing upright, arms raised menacingly, the Yeti all turned to face the intruders. We'll just go to bigfinish.com and type debt sen. I will spell it because it's mm. you know not not your everyday word, is it? D E T dash S E N. There you go. That's a hyphen, I would say, not a dash. Where's hyphen? <laughs> Uh, it reminds me of that two Ronnies thing with a uh, Ronnie Ronnie um, Corbett's been at the. He had a fifty-fifty chance of getting yeah, it. Right. <laughs> he's, he's, he's been at the garlic and he's at a party, and uh, he's asked to introduce himself to, to Ronnie Barker. He says, "Hello," he said, "Hi, hi there. My name's Harry. Uh, Harry, Harry Huntington Hartley." But uh, we we leave out the hyphen. <laughs> 
<laughs> anything that basically gets breath coming it's, from his it's mouth. just the yeah i'm a doctor you know oh really yes where do you work harley street um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh god um, yes it's a debt sense a bit in the search pain and you can enjoy a slice of classic doctor who oh. um so first up we've got one here from oh, warpedfactor.com thrilling. tony tony filer or as i like to say tony flyer um, or sometimes sometimes the script likes to say Tony Flyer, son of Bill Flyer. <laughs> uh, Famous for his, uh, his uh, tour of duty in a Spitfire. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Bill Flyer. <yeah. laughs> oh, um, I knew you'd do that. I was just egging, egging me on, on. <laughs> <laughs> well it says it try the secrets of Detson today it's richly textured involving and emotionally satisfying oh. a fantasy pure historical that illuminates another chapter in the life of every fan's favourite Tibetan monastery <laughs> what a great yeah. review I'm Love so it. biased thank you Tony uh, the blog of delights dot blogspot.com child of the 70s says it's an engaging tale writer andy frankham allen penning a character-led piece where the supporting cast are well drawn there's a quiet power in the discussions on philosophy between the doctor and odiana uh, while the subplot with stephen and Pe- pema I've t- is it pema i'm not sure it looks like it would be pema pema maybe pema uh, I can't remember the story now. I should have listened to the trailer I just played. A pair of almost lovers is also developed in more depth than usual. Purvis continues to belie his years, recreating Stephen, while his affectionate Hartnell impression remains a delight. An excellent listen and the old stub of the toe four stars Ooh. there. <laughs> Thank you, Piers. <laughs> <laughs> Well, SciFiBulletin.com, Paul Simpson says, an enjoyable creation of a different culture and a strong audio debut for Dodo, 8 out of 10. That's right, it was Lauren Cornelius, wasn't it, playing Dodo in that for the first time, and then she came back in our new First Doctor Adventures with the aforementioned Stephen Noonan playing the First Doctor. <laughs> this is the Stephen Noonan podcast, by the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's Find right. it on his official website. <laughs> we made this network.com ben taylor says secrets of debt sin is a fine release a glowing nostalgic tribute to the kind of sci-fi adjacent doctor who which doesn't really exist anymore except in big finish for the love of stories i just added in of course nostalgia alone doesn't make a good story instead it's leavened with enough fresh ideas and intriguing characters to make it worth your time isn't leavened a, a term used for for bread i was just looking at that word and thinking oh, that's a word you don't see every day leavened yeah um leavening a- ferment fermentation agent a raising agent yeast balm baking powder Raise, make rise, ferment, work, lighten, puff up, expand, <laughs> swell, inflate, permeate, infuse, pervade, penetrate, imbue, suffuse, transform, modify. Oh, what a great word. I mean, what a great bunch of words there, to be honest. Oh, that's yeah. a good cacophony of words. <laughs> um, let's see if Ian McArdle from cultbox.co.uk can present us with a, a good word. I can see a good word here, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, we are always keen to hear pure historical stories, and this one is highly effective. Uh, thanks in no small part to Toby Robinson, uh, his highly evocative soundscape, which includes chanting and bells, mm. and there's a dramatic score available as isolated tracks. As the action wraps up, there is no escaping that certain pieces need putting into position. This is achieved admirably, is the word 
deftly setting nope. up uh, the adventure to come when the TARDIS materialises on the, uh, these slopes in 1935. Regardless of its future obligations, again a good word, this is a compelling adventure in its own right and well worth seeking out. And again, it's the, the classic here of, uh, of four and a half stars. There. Yeah, blue stars. There's half a blue star and a half a white star. The white star line. Avoid icebergs at all costs. Yeah, don't don't take that one in a hurry. Um, you said the word regardless. Was it the word you like? Was it regardless, future, or obligations? Uh, obligations is great, but I actually liked I liked deftly because mm, you don't often deftly say used. deftly. You don't often say say that these days. Let's see really. what what's the alter yeah skillful adept adroit dexterous agile nimble neat nimble fingered handy able capable skilled proficient to come i love the english language um my favorite term from the previous review was sci-fi adjacent sci-fi adjacent <laughs> yes very good very good that feels like it should be written on a card that you hand to people sci-fi adjacent nick briggs sci-fi adjacent <laughs> I, i'm a sci-fi adjacent yes it's a bit like an agent isn't it sci-fi adjacent. Yes. A secret sci-fi Jason. Or maybe up. Jason Haygellery could say, "Hi, I'm sci-fi Jason." That yeah. sort of works, doesn't it? You know, I'm a sci-fi Jason. <laughs> um, so there's just one from Twitter here uh, at Matthew Vernon three. I'd like to speak to the other two. Hashtag Doctor Who: The Secrets of Detsen from At Big Finish is so strangely relaxing. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a soft cushion. He doesn't say that. I've only had this experience with one other story. Here, there be monsters, which was a companion chronicle. Funny enough, I loved it, and it truly feels like a missing dodo story, a missing dodo story, a missing dodo story. Well, whichever you like, uh, dodo story. Uh, what a great dedication to Jackie Lane. Top marks from me. Yes, it, it, it coincided with the sad news of the death of Jackie Lane, who originally played Dodo back in the day in Doctor Who there. Well, that's it for the reviews this week. So next yes. time we'll be talking about Torchwood Empire of Shadows by James Goss and starring Sean Parks. Still to come on this podcast, listeners' emails sent to podcast at bigfinish.com, and we'll be looking back at Big Finish's rather lovely revival of 70s supernatural chiller, The Omega Factor. Oh, yes. But first, let us delve behind the scenes with the War Master Self Defense, The Forest of Penitence by Lou Morgan. And we begin with producer director Scott Hancock. Hello, my name is Scott Hancock, and I am the producer and director of The Warmaster, The Forest of Penitence. We've been awake for a while now, just the same as you. We woke up on the ground, and I don't know how we got here. We were looking for others. Other survivors. Survivors? Of what? I love working with Lou Morgan. I think Lou writes really interesting um, scripts for Big Finish, and, and they're always populated with really brilliant characters. Um, so when the opportunity came up to pitch ideas for a new box set and, and uh, she gave this idea of a quite claustrophobic mystery involving uh, a, a gang of characters lost in a forest, I immediately saw the potential for her to, to tell a really quite nice contained uh, chamber piece, sort of character-led story with really quite vivid personalities all trapped in one setting. Um, 
being manipulated by the master at the same time as the master himself is being manipulated by circumstances around him. And it meant we could have a very different sort of opening episode from a lot of our other Warmaster box sets, and actually a very different story from a lot of our other Warmaster tales. He's very much on the back foot during this story, and actually for a lot of the other episodes to come in this set. Maybe they heard the thing in the trees too? Maybe it ate them. <laughs> Maybe it did. We don't know what that was. Could have been nothing. It sounded like a very large nothing. Scripts like this as well is such a gift to a cast, and it was really nice actually to get um, people like Phil Dunster and Sarah Powell and Deirdre Mullins and Cecilia Appiah in and just let them fly with a really, really different sort of exciting story and a story you can record in order because with so many of these big finished stories just because of schedules you end up recording wildly out of order to make the most of people's time and to stop them having to hang around either in a green room or in their living rooms in a very hot cupboard while they're remote recording um, so actually it was really nice to get that tension building and follow their journey literally from start to finish and there's a lovely paranoia that builds there's so many uh red herrings and double bluffs and, and uh, things like that. It, it's a really interesting script to come to as a director and equally for the cast to find those little moments where people are duplicitous and, and you can tease a different meaning out of the lines. Maybe you want me to tell you that I did something to her and then I left her hidden in the trees. Did you? No. But it made you wonder, didn't it? I'm Cecilia Appiah and I've been playing Ellie. Ellie's young and she's she's very composed when she arrives. I think it's certainly quite adventurous to be where she is at the moment, better than where she was before. Um, but then she starts to lose it a bit and um, you see that she's not as calm and reassured as she likes to lead on to the rest of the camp, I guess. And she kind of likes to be a boss. She quite um, likes to um, have one up on everyone else. Um, so that was quite fun to play with. Well done, by the way. For what? For making the connection between Scarp and whatever it is he keeps in the trees. He did say I was perceptive. Indeed. I've never read a death scene quite like the ones that happen in this. A woman is missing. But here is a tree where last night there was apparently none. A tree which bleeds when injured. I'm Sarah Powell and I'm playing Blythe. She's charming. I really love her, actually. She's so sort of fussy and mumsy and worried and trying to do the right thing and not quite getting it right. And just trying to keep going in the circumstances. She was just really warm. I like her a lot. <laughs> when I get the call from Big Finish, you could just you could just stop the sentence there and I just, yes, I say yes. I mean, I just don't say anything else. I just say yes. <laughs> I know the lunch is going to be good. I know the people are going to be great. Well, it's not a good idea. That's all. Ellie, you're tired. Come and sit by the fire. You'll get cold. <sighs> and then you have Dalfin who comes along, who kind of tries to take on that responsibility, but she just, she doesn't want it. She doesn't, she likes to be independent and her own. She thinks like she's in control of herself, but really she, she is quite vulnerable and 
yeah, it was nice to actually see that grow when reading the script. I think I know what this place is. I, I thought maybe it was hell. It's not. Hell would be better. This is Oscarwood. It's the forest of penitence. <laughs> Uh, my name is Deirdre Mullins and I'm playing Dalfin. Well, I think a lot of it is quite mysterious as to, I mean, they, yeah, where they come from and what, what, what their history is. I mean, she's, she's a criminal, a bit of a criminal element and on death row is, is kind of the, the main background info. But I've done some weird stuff in these booths. So, um, <laughs> you know, I've died as giant slugs and... Yeah, uh, I mean, nothing would surprise me. So, yeah, and some fabulous deaths, some fabulous death screams and being bitten by vampires and, you know. So, you know, I guess it's just run-of-the-mill, babes. Well, just go to bigfinish.com and type self-defence into the search pane to find an interactive video of Nicholas Briggs (laughs) doing various karate moves. Hey, Um, (laughs) Karate chop! Um... Uh, but no, just just type in self-defence uh, into the search pane to find the latest, rather too thrilling outing for the War Master. I just saw a great karate. Uh, was it karate? <laughs> I don't know. Sequence. <laughs> Thank you, Piers. Uh, in um, it's, that's <laughs> Piers Brosnan with hiccups. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, in Stranger Things, in a plane with oh, a guy. Yeah. Was it karate he knew, or was it what's the other martial art that kids like? Judo. No, I think Ta- it must have been Ta- karate. And he was going, my Ta-chi. fingers are steel. And he, you know, it's, it's very good. Anyway, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I realise I'm just going on about stranger things, which is just pathetic. Time now for listeners' emails. Well, and you don't have to learn Tai Chi to, uh, to be able to send an email. It helps. You know, sometimes. Aikido. Hike, um, um, but if, but if you want to, you know, it's, it's a bonus. But just just pick up a pen. I've got a pen here. I've got one of those pens that has multiple oh, colours. Yeah. You know, like a oh, good I coveted bit. those when I was a kid. They were too expensive. No real. Yeah, the, the funniest thing is, I always find that they, they like a really bad childhood memory there, mate. <laughs> I'm so I'm sorry. You can have this bick if you like. But um, I was yes. about to criticise them and actually say that. To be honest, I, I feel like the quality of the ink is is not as good as the standard black bick. But um, very poor. That's very a poor. whole debate for another time, which I'm sure yeah. at least one person will pick up on and email in about. Um, <laughs> I hope but so. If you want to, if you want to do that, send an email to podcast at bigfinish.com. So this first of this one here from Fires Alam, um, the subject of this one is podcast, so that's handy. No, it's not. It's, tar- <laughs> it's a target for Big Finish. Oh, yes. Sorry. Uh, hi, Nick and Benji. I hope hi. you're doing well. Hi there. Hi there. Uh, thank you very much for reminding me. Hi, Dwayne. <laughs> it's, it's, <laughs> it's been a while since my last email, and I've finally stopped procrastinating to get in touch yet again. Good. Um, I've recently been listening to some classics from the monthly range, such as The Holy Terror, Super. The Chimes of Midnight, Ooh. and Jubilee. Come what? On, really, that's, a, that's a true bunch of classics there. Uh, you may notice that I have a particular author that I'm rather fond of, mm. but fear not... This isn't a desperate plea on my part to convince you to bring Rob Shearman or Frobisher, um, the Penguin, uh, back. 
though I'd happily trade an organ, well, or piano, I guess, um, such as one of my lacklustre ears, or uh, for the further adventures of Frobisher, uh, penned by the good Mr. Sherman. Did you say Frobisher? <laughs> sounded did, like a uh, French no, version. Really, Mr. Said. Frobisher. Anyway, oh, yeah, The great detective. Um, <laughs> Sorry, right, I said it right the first time. Um, oh, that's all uh, right then. <laughs> Yeah, you've got to read now. Um, whilst listening to these, it occurred to me how fortunate I am to be able to enjoy these stories. I'm hard of hearing, but thank, and but thankfully not so much so that I can't enjoy a big finish. Um, albeit with a little difficulty sometimes. Uh, however, I do have some hard of hearing friends who really do struggle to get into big finish, and I lament for they will never know the pleasures of Mrs. Baddeley's plum pudding. I can't <laughs> say that without popping on the microphone, I apologise. Or have the chance to worship the big talking bird. Uh. I asked myself, what could one do to allow my friends to enjoy these wonderful tales? And the answer came quickly. The very same method that allowed generations of children to uh. re-watch classic television stories re-watch. could legal loopholes aside be implemented here. So rewatch was in inverted commas, of course. Yeah, I'm very good, good. Uh, thanks for... Do you remember I used to read out all the punctuation, yeah, didn't I? Yeah. God, we've come so far. Um, <laughs> how amazing would it be to pick up a Target novelisation of Spare Parts or Doctor Who and the Pirates? Wow. I understand that the primary function of Big Finish is to produce audio dramas, and I also understand that there would be many, many barriers to liberally begin publishing uh, every audio drama in prose form. But if the opportunity ever arose, would you guys ever consider delving into Big Finish's back catalogue to publish your greatest hits, as it were? Um, there are plenty of stories over a couple of decades old at this point, and so I feel, though I'm no expert, that novelising them wouldn't compete with the production of new audio dramas, and they would, additionally, breathe fresh life into stories that are almost as old as I am. I'm only 25, but I'm already feeling that I could certainly do with a fresh life. These bones... Oh, I can go into Jeffrey Bay. These bones of mine are a little bit too creaky in the mornings for my liking. <laughs> Thank you, Cat Weasel. Um, it would be aye, a... Aye, brother. Uh, it would be a treat to expand the audience of what I consider some of the finest examples of storytelling around, and it would be wonderful to share them with the people I care about. Thank you for all the work you guys do and for making life for so many people out there, including myself, just that little bit better. Yours with much gratitude, Fiazza Lamb. Oh, well, thank well, you so much. Email. Yeah, well, um, I think, yeah, I mean, if we could, I d- we can't do it because our licence is for audio and we'd have to negotiate a different licence. But, you know, I wonder if anyone from Penguin or Ebury or Random House or... I'm not sure what to call them these days. Um, all slightly separate things there, but under the same umbrella. You know, is that something you might be interested in at some point? Books based on big finish, classic big finish stories? You know, especially uh, written by Rob Shearman, who mm. did such a fantastic novelization of his uh, story, Dalek. Uh, I know because I read it out loud and there were only a few proofing errors in it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I tell you what, though, I... Uh Chimes of Midnight Christmas book release would be nice, wouldn't it? Wow, wouldn't that be lovely? With a, with a little Rob Sherman reading a section of it in a, in a lovely, cosy, Dickensian-style kind of warm yeah, pub yeah. would be nice, wouldn't it? Yeah, 
Yeah. Eating chestnuts during. Ooh, chestnuts! Chestnuts! <laughs> uh, moving on, uh, this one is from Max Davis Housefield, who says, Dear Nick and Benji, Hi there. Hi there. <laughs> I hope you're doing well. Like everybody, I absolutely love Sixie's song when it was released as the trailer for Waterworlds a couple of weeks ago. Fantastic work from the team there. So good. So good. It got me thinking that it would be really cool for Big Finish to do an audio drama musical. We've already done one. It was so much fun to hear that trailer. And when River sang The Talents of Greel, that it would have been... It would be such a blast to hear an audio drama story with a bunch of songs in it. Can I just refer you to Doctor Who and the Pirates? Uh, maybe you could even pursue the Torchwood slash ABBA musical that <laughs> Russell T. Davis mentions in The Writer's Tale. I so want to hear that. I'm sure that would be uh, a, an absolute breeze to negotiate. <laughs> uh, just some thoughts, but I'm sure people couldn't help but smile if they heard a big Finnish musical. Have a great summer, Max Davis Housefield. Well, yeah, as I say, Doctor Who and the Pirates. Look, here's the trailer of Doctor Who and the Pirates. Available now from Big Finish. Doctor Who and the Pirates. You know what always goes well with cake in a cuppa? A good story. And you know what makes a good story? Pirates. We were serving under Ezekiel Bones, the most feared man ever to sail these seas. It was near the Ruby Islands. This is awful. Pirates! We've already established that. I say, what's going on? My hammock's all wet. <laughs> Don't you worry, Captain Swanson. No pirate will take the brave sea eagle. You think so, do you? You're no pirate. I take that as a compliment. <coughs> You're not going to sink. Cowards! You rotters! Better to die a loyal subject than succumb to the lawlessness of piracy. We can feel it in me bones. That treasure is still there! Treasure? Well, me name, you see. Me name's really James, see. Only, they took to calling me Jem. Said he was glad he hadn't brought all the other gems home, cos one was enough for him. <laughs> I'm sorry, Dr Smythe, but this is just ridiculous. Oh, all right. Let's say he only had one wooden leg. And what's more, I will have it! Oh, no! You are going to sing. Well, yes, I am. There you go. We did a musical. Good fun, that listen as well. Mm. Really good fun. Mm. Get on it. Get on it. Uh, maybe Rand, uh, Rand the Randomoids Electron will bring it up. Who knows? Oh, wouldn't that be um, interesting? Mm. Well, finally, we've got a really long one here. So brace <laughs> yourselves, sit down. You know, it might be worth just pausing, get a cup of tea, you know, find a comfortable chair. Uh, this one's from Project Boredom. So, you know. I love stories. DM. I don't That's know what, it. Who's DM. Well, it's obvious, isn't it? Of who? Dr. Martin. The boots. <laughs> he just stuck the boots in. Now, I wonder what that's about, saying I love stories. Are they saying that um, they don't like the new tagline for the love of stories? Or I don't know. But anyway, I'm glad you do like stories, because so do we. We've got a lot in common. Thanks for writing in. It's lovely. Mm. Mm. Uh, that's it. 
for the emails this week. More next time since a podcast at bigfinish.com. As always, the randomoid selectatron is prepping right now, Ooh. getting ready to offer a 25% discount on a randomly selected Big Finish release. I say, but before that, it's time Ooh. for Also Available. And this week, we're looking at the Omega Factor, as discussed earlier. It was a British television series produced by BBC Scotland in 1979. It was created by Jack Gerson and transmitted in 10 weekly episodes between the 13th of June and the 15th of August. Then in 2015, Big Finish revived it in a series of really rather terrifying audio dramas. Omega, the last letter of the Greek alphabet. The end. In this case, the end of scientific knowledge. We are asking you to go further than that end, beyond the end. To the Omega Factor. And further. Hello, I'm David Richardson. I'm the producer of The Omega Factor. I'm Louise Jameson, and I play Dr. Anne Reynolds. I play a doctor. <laughs> I'm Natasha Garson, and I play Morak. Tom Crane forced himself awake. He was staring up into the face of his wife, Julia. He became fully aware that he was lying in bed, his body damp with perspiration and shivering. The Omega Factor was aired in 1979 and shown on BBC One. Uh, it starred James Hazeldean as a journalist called Tom Crane, um, who discovers he's got uh, psychic powers. Um, and that brings him um, to being involved with Department 7, which is a sort of secret government agency that looks into phenomena of the human mind. He was such a sweet man. And... Um died far far too young he was actually quite a vulnerable man he he didn't like to be alone uh, he played musical instruments he very much lived in the now lived hard played hard very popular everybody absolutely adored him and he had the ability to utterly commit to to texts that done done at half cock would have been just melodramatic but because he absolutely committed to it the whole thing became i think utterly believable you know lovely 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 guy james was a sort of hero because i think i was about 19 or 20 and he had a great sense of humor and a set of plastic vampire teeth which he used to appear around the corners in the studio with and it's very sad that he's no longer with us and Louise hasn't changed a bit. Anne frowned across the room at him. Scott Erskine hesitated. Crane went on, We do work for you, remember? We are part of Department 7. I went up for it, literally auditioned for it. And I had to, I was about to do a tour. And I had to buy my way out of the tour. I remember my first episode, Fee, went on them all redoing their publicity for the tour, which was rattle of a simple man. Something at the back of Drexel's eyes flared up, a cold fire of rage. He looked across at Morag, who obediently rose, book in hand, and walked to the door, an abrupt invitation. This was a, a, a series my father originated a very long time ago, and he always wanted to do something about the supernatural. And... 
I wanted to be in it because I kind of helped helped him a bit, or I like to think I did. So I pretended to be someone else to exclude nepotism and was interviewed by the first director and spent five episodes lurking under trees looking strange. Behind Crane, the girl, Morag, dropped her book. It thumped heavily onto the wooden floor. Crane ignored it. My agent thought that it was a series that really had legs. I mean, sadly, it didn't, thanks to Mary Whitehouse. But there was nothing else like it on television at the time. You know, great umbrella story, one of us being a Russian spy. Everything's self-contained. You know, it's the Bergerac recipe, isn't it? Each episode is self-contained, but for the regulars, there's a sort of ongoing, will they, won't they have a love affair, who's the Russian spy? That whole, the dynamic of the three of us, I thought was really good. The engineer was standing in front of the apparatus, his index finger flitting from dial to dial. Changes in room temperature are registered here, the finger moved on. Any change of any volume of sound registered here. Chemical changes in the atmosphere will show up here. And of course, all these are registered in the printout. There was one episode, episode two, which they reshot, and there were stories about the clocks in the studio stopping and equipment not working and they certainly had to, we had to do a whole day's reshoot. There was a scene where um, Jimmy had to, Jimmy Hazeldean's character had to be taken over by the devil and because we didn't have any CGI or anything like that and it took ages to set up the special effect and exactly at the point where the devil and Jimmy's faces were superimposed on each other and they became one, the lights in the studio fused. And it was only in the studio, and they went for four and a half hours, and, no, and then they came back on, mysteriously, and nobody ever found out why. I don't know if this is apocryphal put out by the press, but we never had, we never had it explained. There wasn't a power cut everywhere else, and the building was fine. But the devil moved in. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know whether that was anything spooky or not, but I do remember we had an advisor a psychic advisor on the series called Professor Archie Roy, who lived in Glasgow until he died a couple of years ago. And he was fascinating about all the, the details and tried to persuade us all to join the Psychical Research Society, which I never got round to. But he was pointing out that in the West End of Glasgow, there was in fact a well-established coven of witches in Byers Road, but I never found out <laughs> where, they, where they hung out and of details like on the back of a building off Byers Road, there's a cat, stone carving of a cat with an arch back, which was something to do with the coven. But uh, mostly I remember the laughs. It was spooky, but I do remember the laughs. It was one of the most fun jobs I've ever done. Crane went back to Edinburgh with Anne, but before he went back, he saw Scott Erskine alone in the London office. We do not believe that any organisation called Omega exists. Scott Erskine pronounced the words like a verdict. It lasted just for only ten episodes, one series. Um, strangely, it was, it was broadcast in a summer slot, so it started going out in June. Um, and although it was on BBC One, I guess that was... It wasn't sort of in the, in the sort of seasons where a show would get a lot of attention. Um, also... 
Um, Mary Whitehouse, um, who was a crusader for the Viewers and Listeners Association, really took against it. Um, I know um, Natasha Gerson, who was who's the daughter of creator Jack Gerson, was saying that uh, Mary wrote a letter describing the series as thoroughly evil. Um, this was the time when Mary had a lot of power, and uh, sadly, the Omega Factor never went through to a second series. I think they had they had plans for it, but Mary Whitehouse, in part, put a stop to that because I think she sent a letter describing it as thoroughly evil. And I think I've still got the letter in the house somewhere in my father's house. But oh, I don't know. At least something's happening now. Even if it's a long time later, I'm really excited about it. And I know my father would have loved it. Help me! Coming soon from Big Finish Productions. Listen! Omega, the last letter of the Greek alphabet. The end. In this case, the end of scientific knowledge. We are asking you to go further than that end, beyond the end, to the Omega Factor. And further. Dr. Anne Reynolds, I called ahead earlier today. We're here from the Ministry of Defence. Adam, Tom Crane was my father. Here to lead us into temptation, are you, Adam? Uh, no, I'm here to tell you your church might be haunted. Ah, he's got the sight. What? I can tell. Like father, like son. Twilight and evening bell. And after that, the dark. I very much believe in the existence of the old gods. More than you can possibly know. We have locked in! Her voice. What's wrong with it? And may there be no sadness of farewell. When I the Omega Factor. Big Finish. We love stories. Just go to bigfinish.com and type Omega, O-M-E-G-A, into the search pane at the top to frighten the willies out of yourself. <laughs> That was very frightening. Um, well, don't forget that it'll soon be time to tease you with the first 15 minutes of The War Master Self-Defense. Hey! But first... It's the Randomoid Selectron offering you a 25% discount on a randomly selected Big Finish release. Okay, what do you got for me? Okay, we got one two nine Doctor Who Plague of the Daleks. Oh, lovely, lovely! Yeah, not, the Daleks, not the pirates, not the pirates. Plague no. of the Daleks, yes. Plague of the Daleks. I'm sure the pirates will be up for a jolly reasonable price. Yes. What is it? Have a look. Plague of the Daleks, though. Yeah, uh, by Mark Platt and Jonathan Morris. Really? Yeah, if you if you want to get your hands on uh, Doctor Who and the Pirates, it's up there for two ninety nine, and it's got Bill Oddie in it. So you know, ah, that's good. That's good. It's just a download now, I presume. Uh, I yeah, I would imagine. Yes, it is just a download now, out of print, mate. 
Um, well, yeah, it's, this, it's this... Not, I, can I just say I've discovered a mistake on the website here? It says by Mark Platt, Jonathan Morris, but actually it's by Mark Morris. <laughs> So somehow the two names have become conflated in the credits. So I will go uh, behind the scenes on the site and correct that. How? I mean, I mean, it does say at the bottom. This release also includes Doctor Who: The Companion Chronicles, Brewster's story by oh, Mark Platt. Yes, but then I don't know where that leaves Jonathan Morris. In no, it's this. the word Morris somehow got. Yeah, it's by Mark Morris, who's uh, an acclaimed and renowned um, horror writer writes horror fiction great stuff lots of uh, so it's a, so of course yes polly turns up in the the companion thingy what is it called yeah companion chronicles brewster's story so mark platt's name isn't erroneous there that's a good shout i won't delete that <laughs> John, Hold a minute it says the music here is by morris minor no it doesn't um <laughs> <laughs> do you know for a moment i believe you i thought this was like a bit of a car crash if you pardon the pun there of uh, of uh, release anyway uh, yes directed is it directed by barnaby barnaby morris yes um yes it is barnaby edwards and lisa bauman well she directed the companion chronicles bit yeah yeah and and it's got me in it as well because it's got daleks in it let's hear the trailer coming soon from big finish productions Plague of the Daleks. Where are we, do you think? It's so dark. I'll put some matches somewhere. <gasps> so we were attacked by a flock of crows earlier. Attacked? Well, that shouldn't happen. That's odd. What is? That bank of black cloud hanging over the green. Are you sure you haven't had help with this? Help? Alien help, Isaac. This is incredibly advanced technology. Who's in the shuttle? Visitors. Visitors? But that's impossible. And where do the visitors come from? Outside. What is it? The rain. It's something in the rain. It's burning them like acid. First they collapse and now they're all getting up again. Like, like the walking dead. An alien virus, part biological, part technological. Why here? Why Stockbridge? What is that? Oh no. Oh please, no. No, not more! Subscribers get more at bigfinish.com. So yeah, listen. Peter Davison, Sarah Sutton, Keith, Nicholas Courtney as well. Yeah, Keith Barrett, Nicholas Courtney's in the companion. companion, companion it's a great cast. Keith Barrett, Susan Brown, who's the most amazing actor, playing Mrs. Withers, Mrs. Sowerby, a computer and a conditioned human. <laughs> oh God, and Richard Cordery as well. It's a really good cast. David Dobson, who I employed only the other day, he's in a, a new um, independent British movie about Spitfire, Spitfire over Berlin or something. It's called. Oh, well, we'll be watching yeah. that, won't we? Yeah, yeah. It's available on Apple for a price. Uh, I do have Apple. John Picard as Thomas Brewster, obviously, and Lisa Tarbuck. There you go. What more could you want? That's a pretty, pretty solid cast, isn't it? Actually. Yeah, I am. Um, I remember enjoying working on that. When was it recorded? Uh, released in two thousand and nine, so late two thousand and nine, so possibly that year. Yeah, it was. It was um, recorded on the first and second of July, two thousand and nine. So there you go. Bam! There we go. When I was uh, a mere slip of a lad. 
you believe that, you believe anything. Uh, um, yeah. Listen, um, uh, while I emailed Jackie Emery at Big Finish to make sure she knows which release to attach the offer to, Benji, can you please explain how to get the 25% discount in the style of... <laughs> I can't think of anything, luckily. <laughs> what have we been talking about? Morris Miners. I was going to say that. In the, <laughs> the style, style of a... <laughs> style of a Morris Miner. The style of a Morris Miner driver. Oh, well, I mean... That's a tough one, because I, I know my, my father is a Morris Miner driver, oh, and no. my friend James is a Morris Miner driver, and both of those people just sound like normal people. <laughs> This is, it was a terrible selection, this, wasn't it? Sorry. Yeah. The, no, the well, we, we all thing. live. Well, we all live. You know, who, who am I to judge what, what a Morris Minor driver sounds like? Exactly. But I would say that all Morris Minor drivers go to bigfinish.com. They head to the podcast page on the menu. Once they're on there, they check their uh, indicators, make sure they're working. Then they click down to read more, making sure to do the hand signals. Once you're on, read more. It says Randomoid Selectron also features offering you a 25% reduction on a selected release. Just click here and enter the code buck up. And that's B U C K U P all capital letters no spaces uh, no hyphens nothing of the sorts just buck up enter that in and you'll get a discount great way to build your collection I wouldn't be without it lovely that is well, what I needed to know uh, you caught me without the script did I send that email to Jackie hold on oh what's going on Jackie Jackie Morris oh dear yeah Ran, you are fabulous. Next week's podcast is entitled Nine Dead Plates, which amused me because it features the fourth Doctor Adventures, The Nine, starring Tom Baker, obviously, and Torchwood, Dead Plates, starring that superb veteran actor, Murray Melvin, as Billis Manger. Well, in the meantime, all that's left is for me to say thanks for listening and goodbye. And oh, I do remember that we, we, we do all this for the love of stories. Time now for The Warmaster Self-Defence, The Forest of Penitence by Lou Morgan. He's awake. Ellie, stay back. Come on, come on, back to me. We don't know who he is. What he is. No, 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 you don't. But could you perhaps be so kind as to tell me where I am? Or what I'm doing here? Ellie, I said come to me, now! He's not going to hurt me, Mother. He's just an old man. Well, I'm just an old man. She, she, she doesn't mean to be rude. But we don't know you. No, clearly not. Where is my ship? We were hoping you'd be able to tell us that. We've been awake for a while now, just the same as you. We we woke up on the ground and I don't know how we got here. We were looking for others. Other survivors. Survivors of what? A a crash? An accident? I I don't remember. But there must have been something. How else did we end up in the middle of a forest? Indeed. A crash, you said. There's no wreckage, no smoke, no screams, no bodies. Are you hurt? We're fine. We're we're both fine. Curious. 
You don't remember either, do you? What happened before? Do you know, I don't think I do. How fascinating. We should take him to Corval. We don't know if we can trust Corval or... Uh, I'm sorry, what's your name? My name? You can remember that, can't you? Let the man catch his breath, girl. I'm Blythe. This is my daughter, Ellie. We found Corval in the forest. He's just the same as we are. We thought perhaps we should stick together. You know, in case there's a rescue party. That's not what you said before. You said we should stick together because there might not be a Shh! Very wise. He's back this way. If you want to come with us? How could I refuse? thing you do remember before here I mean I was at home that's not very exciting Ooh, you were hoping for something more dramatic I suppose something that might explain how I found myself in the middle of a forest with my memory wiped you didn't find yourself though did you we found you so you did lucky me wait you, you think your memory's been wiped how do you know it's not amnesia? That could happen after a crash, couldn't it? Because I know my own mind, and I know when someone else has been in it. No, that's ridiculous. Why would someone do that? So that we had no memory of whoever selected and brought us here, of course. Brought us here? Oh, you think this was accidental? A fluke? A twist of fate? That we were all passengers on a ship that mysteriously happened to crash with no sign of wreckage and just happened to leave us all with no recollection of it. Maybe there were lifeboats. Maybe we got out before... Have you ever been in a crash? Have you ever seen one? No, but... I can assure you, it isn't a thing one forgets. Then how? Why? I don't know. But in my experience, sooner or later, anyone who goes to this kind of trouble will want to be acknowledged. Applauded, even. You think so? Well, it's what I usually do. What? I said it's what I would do. You mean hypothetically? Oh, of course. Hypothetically speaking. <laughs> We said we'd meet here. Corval! Blythe, did you find... Who's this? He was in the trees. I thought we should bring him back here. Safety in numbers, like we agreed. Is he, though, safe? What a question. Are you? That depends who's asking. It doesn't matter. He's out here, alone, just like us. Besides, how much of a threat could he be? That depends who's asking. What's your story, then? What do you remember? Nothing. Like you, I imagine. How do you know he's telling the truth? You don't. 
But here we are, strangers in a strange place. And assuming we are all telling the truth, none of us seems to know why. Isn't it exciting? Exciting? Uh, not sure about that. But you can think what you like. Just don't try anything tricky. I wouldn't dream of it. Right. Well, I found a trail that way. We should follow it, see if it leads out of these woods. Or further into them. If anyone has a better idea, fire away. Because the way I see it, we've got no food, no water, no nothing. We don't know if help's coming. So we either follow the trail or we sit here. Maybe we should wait. There might be other survivors. <sighs> How could we be the only ones? Survivors, no survivors. Either way, I say our chances are better if we keep moving. How comforting. Lead the way. This is a trail. I'm sure. The branches are thinner, you see? I can hardly see anything. It's too dark. They're only thinner because they're broken. Exactly. Which means someone must have broken them walking this way. A trail. Is it a blessing or a curse, I wonder, to have developed so very little imagination? To assume that it's a someone in this forest. Oh, what was that? Did you hear that? Uh, I think it's behind us. Well, let's go this way. And not that it might be a something. Come on! You see, there's a camp here. We're going the right way. Oh, tent set up, a fire lit, and food all ready. But no one here. Doesn't that seem a little odd to you? Maybe they left. Just as we arrived? Wouldn't that be convenient? We'll wait. If they've left food, then they won't be long. Maybe they aren't coming back. Maybe something scared them off. Why would they just leave everything? Maybe they heard the thing in the trees, too. Maybe it ate them. <laughs> Maybe it did. We don't know what that was. Could have been nothing. It sounded like a very large nothing. All I'm saying is, there's a fire, there's food, there's water. No one could blame us if we helped ourselves, not after what we've been through. You say that like you know what happened. Maybe the people who were here, maybe they're what happened. Maybe we were running away from them. Maybe it's poisoned. It might be a trap. I like the way you think. Don't encourage her. She shouldn't talk like that. It's... Well, it's not a good idea. That's all. Ellie, you're tired. Come and sit by the fire. You'll get cold. <sighs> Looks all right to me. Sun's coming up. Just the one. I guess we're not in the Jerem system anymore. Where did you say? Jerem. Why? Uh, no, no, no reason. You don't know it? I know of it. Anyway, where we're from, it's tiny. You wouldn't even have heard of it. But this, this isn't it. Y you were right. Someone has brought us here, haven't they? The sky is wrong. 
And I don't know those stars. Neither do I, which is most unusual. What about you? Where did you say you were from? Mm, I didn't. But I rather think it doesn't matter. Not to whoever put us here. Oh, yes, that's your theory, isn't it? Somebody brought us here. Ooh. So, if you're so smart, what for, hmm? Consider our situation. We wake up alone and unprepared, in unfamiliar surroundings. We are permitted to find one another, to regroup, to explore. A path reveals itself, and then a camp, apparently set up just for us. Count the plates, the cups and blankets. Enough for four. Coincidence? I think not. That's a lot of trouble to go to. Isn't it? One wonders who might take the time and what they hope to gain. Like money? Not necessarily. But I imagine we'll find out soon enough. In the meantime, if you don't mind, I intend to rest in one of these tents. I was rather busy before... Ah... Uh, this? <laughs> you know, it might sound strange, but this is the closest thing I've had to a holiday in a lifetime. I suppose we should all get some sleep. But then what? Oh, we do the same again. Keep moving. In the dark? I'd rather be moving in the dark than sleeping. I would rather not be here at all. Ellie, are you coming? You can always stick with me if you'd rather. Plenty of room in those tents. I'll keep you safe. Thank you. No. Ellie? <laughs> well then, sleep tight. Don't let the bugs bite. <laughs> What was that? It's the girl. The tent! Look! Help me! I can't move! Are those tree roots? It's crushing me! Get me out! I think I can break in. It's giving. You hear it? Just get me out! It's going! Can you get free? I think so. Take my hand. Did you see? The roots were all twisted round her. How'd that happen? You must have got tangled up in it when you were asleep. No. Well, you're safe now. It's all right. Maybe next time don't go to sleep so close to a tree, huh? No, it wasn't there. Well, you probably rolled over without realizing. You're not listening. There was no tree in our tent last night. Ask my mother. Ellie, my dear, where is your mother? She's here, isn't she? Not that I can see. Oh. Maybe she went to get firewood. And left her daughter alone. She wouldn't leave me. She wouldn't. She promised when we left her. Someone's in the woods. Mother? Stop. Get away from her. You go. Was that you screaming? Did they hurt you? No, they're friends. Keep away from her. She's with us. And you'll stay down if you know what's good for you. Who are you? You come to me, Ellie. If you need help, girl... I don't need protection. You too. You came from the trees. Where is she? We've been in these what woods for two days. What have you done to Just come down, everybody. Where did you come from all of us? Don't be the one to bring it up. But the tree in the tent 
appears to be bleeding. That's not right. You see it? That's blood. It's bleeding. It's just sap. Trees don't bleed. It wasn't there when we went to sleep, I swear. You want to tell us what happened? Nothing to do with you. Really? So you don't need our help? You're all just fine here? Because that's not how it looks to me. The girl's mother. She's gone. Gone? Gone. Disappeared. Poof. So what about the tree? She says it attacked her in the night. The tree attacked her? It didn't attack me. It just had hold of me when I woke up like it was... Embracing you? You are. Trees don't bleed. And yet, I don't know about you, but Blight didn't strike me as the sort of mother to abandon her child. Quite the opposite, in fact. And yet... You think something took her? On the contrary, I think she's still here. You think the tree did the same thing to her that it was doing to Ellie? It ate her? In a manner of speaking. Isn't it obvious? Come on, girl. Let's get you outside. You don't need to hear this. I think Blythe may be the tree. <laughs> You're cracked. She turned into a tree. A woman is missing. But here is a tree where last night there was apparently none. A tree which bleeds when injured. Holding Ellie as perhaps a mother might hold her child to her. In a strange and frightening place. I am, you understand, simply recounting the facts. Oh. But if you have a better explanation, I'm all ears. That's mad. <laughs>